Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and joining me as always on Sundays is Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? This fine episode number 164? Well, you remember, I'm not even trying to get political here, but during the last presidential campaign, there was something Mitt Romney used to say about clear eyes, full hearts can't fail. I'm going to work that around a little bit and say bleary eyes, full stomach, hope not to fail. Uh <laughs> I talked about this last week. I was going up to Boston uh, with uh, was supposed to be my brothers and go to Fenway Park last night and using the the suite for the company that I work for by day. And then one of my brothers got pulled into something for work. The other one got the flu. I swear it's the first case of the flu in North Carolina this year, but he has it. So uh, we ended up going up there and meeting uh, one of the Red Sox writers that I know up there, bloggers uh, from Sox Space, and. Uh, the game was rain delayed because of a nasty storm. Uh, I think I'm functioning on three hours of sleep, but it was well worth it. I had an awesome time, and uh, I just got done eating dinner, uh, something my wife and I combined to cook. So I uh, bleary-eyed, full stomach, hoping not to fail, but I'm here. Well, bleary-eyed and full stomach is an excellent uh, formula for a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's so, what football was for today because uh, I was one point laying down and then I woke up and there was all different game on. I'm like, oh, oops. Uh, so, but I am uh, uh, on the baseball note, I'm extremely happy that the Astros won today over the A's. And that is significant because that is win number 63. For you mathematicians at home, that means the Astros will not lose 100 games for a fourth straight season. For you, uh, for you people that love to hate against businesses, you'll remember there was that one business that said if you bought all, if you bought a furniture set for at least six thousand dollars before the season, and the Astros did not lose a hundred games, your furniture was free. And anybody who took that bet now has a free living room set. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't. I did not hear that. Uh, that's pretty. I gotta look up the exact deal, but I remember that. That's what the deal was. You had to pay. You had to pay in advance. Wow. Uh, Here it is. Gallery Furniture does an Astros promotion. And I remember seeing this going, wow, man, if I had, I guess you have to live in the Houston area, but that was the deal. Uh, See, limited to the first 500 customers, $8,200,000 of furniture was refunded. That was the deal. Buy $6,300 of furniture and get a $6,300 refund. Buy 12, get 12. You see, it was dollar for dollar match. Wow. That's what they had to do. They had to refund $8.2 million of furniture. Congratulations to Houston area new furniture owners. Wow. That's incredible. That's great. I'm just happy for the Astros. I mean, yeah. you know, I know a few people that work in the organization from past associations and very happy for them. That is my childhood team. It does. And, they, and they've had been through a whole lot of crap this year. Uh, and, and thankfully, we're not talking about any of it in this show. It's somebody else's crap we're going to talk about this time. But they haven't had the best year PR wise. Uh, but this is a, a great thing. I'm pretty happy for it. Yeah, that's this pretty is what cool. progress looks like. Yeah, it's it's what progress looks like, and it's it's nice that it's happened so early in the month because it doesn't mean that they have to <laughs> they don't have to slow down. I mean, if you uh, chalk up another double digit stretch of wins, I mean, if, if they get the seventy out, wins, they yeah. get the seventy wins, pop the champagne. Exactly. This is a team people picking to uh, win fifty six. That's why the furniture company goes out, and you think they thought they were going to have to refund eight point two million dollars of furniture? 
of course not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's very cool. Very cool. And uh, it's significant in that it comes against the A's. And, and uh, so now you tell me that they are seven games back of the Angels. That hurts them yeah. big time. Flush. That's the flush down. Oakland's going to make the postseason. But here's your consolation prize. You get to face Felix Hernandez in one-game playoff. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and more news in the uh, the AL West is that uh, Rod and Washington stepped down kind of abruptly. Uh, news came down on Friday morning. Uh, at least that's when I saw it. Um, and that's a bit of a shock. Uh, and not really much to say on that, especially from a fantasy, fantasy perspective. But it is... Uh, I think only to to mention or and to say you know hope everything is okay in his neck of the woods. Uh, well, if your if your league uh, use has bunts as a category, you're going to miss him. <laughs> he's a terrible, terrible, terrible strategizer. He's a very good coach. Yeah. He if he wants to come back to baseball in some kind of instructional capacity, all for it. I don't want to ever see him running a baseball team again. I can't. I. It drove me nuts to watch how he would manage a game. Uh, he used to baffle me quite a bit with the bullpen management, and since it hasn't been quite as relevant in, recent, uh, in the last year plus, I guess it's probably more difficult to say that that's the case. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those – he's old school, despite uh, – he has a lot of good traits, but he definitely has an old school mentality, and, and in some cases it's uh, – he bunts dudes over from second base yeah. with less than two outs in the first inning. And no, no. Drives me crazy. Especially, Glad he's gone for a managerial role. It should only better Texas. As long as they don't go out and put Michael Young to do something like that. I'm sure you're going to start seeing a lot of stumping for that crap. Especially when you're in Texas and to do that, uh, to be bunting guys over when you have guys who could – I mean, um, I'm sure you could find uh, – find a, a couple of runs who could hit uh Dilson Herrera yeah. might be able to hit 20 home runs in Texas <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, what he hit a home run the first day after we I said nope don't yeah. want him don't yeah. care home run oops yeah. and uh it wasn't my best week last week my two <laughs> my two start pitching magic kind of wore off oh well <laughs> Kevin Towers is fired also that's a that's a big bonus for the Diamondbacks fans I think um and it's a big bonus for fashion, and I mean this in all seriousness. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you, in talking with a scout who was in the Dominican Republic last year, he saw Kevin Towers down in the Dominican Republic wearing jorts. For those of you guys who don't know who jorts are, those are jean shorts. Those should not ever be worn outside of the state of Florida, and never by somebody who is not a Florida Gator fan, ever, <laughs> period. And that's what he was wearing in the Dominican Republic. So I have no respect for a general manager that wears jorts. Continue. You know what? I got to say, here's something. I mean, jean uh, shorts used to be the in thing. Uh, and they used, but, and I understand now that maybe it's not nearly as fashionable. I think part of the problem with them is that the way they're made today is just, well, the style that people wear today. I mean, they look, they look awful. They're just not a good looking item. But I, I mean, they used to be pretty, they used to be. They were, uh, they were as popular as like cargo shorts are now. Yes. There was a time where, where jean shorts were what cargo shorts are today, and cargo shorts are quickly becoming jean shorts, too. Uh, so that's coming that way. But this is a baseball show, not a fashion. But jorts, I can't get that out of my head. It's like – Listen, you know, pal, I, gotta, say, I still got a – Four men shouldn't wear football jerseys past the age of 25 or baseball jerseys. I don't care. I'm soon to be 42, and I wear baseball jerseys. I don't care. 
I wear football jerseys. I don't care. But I do draw the line at wearing shorts. <laughs> I got plenty of cargo shorts, so call me uh, fashion non <laughs> nonsensical. Uh, but uh, whatever, I'm going to live with that. That doesn't bother me at all. All right. Well, some interesting stuff I think that has happened this past week. Just a few interesting things and a few interesting things coming up for the weekend. And we have a, a couple of requested topics as well I want to touch on quickly. But uh, first is just uh, the Aaron Hicks. Uh, the Twins, obviously, just like everybody else, made some, uh, some September call-ups. And among them was Aaron Hicks. And obviously, he struggled. <clears throat> Quite a bit, basic. Well, he's basically struggled as a major leader, but since his call up, he's played regularly. I think he's played every day. Uh, well, barring the first uh, game up when he entered as, a, I think, a defensive substitute. But since uh, he's played every day, and that includes today, and the results have been solid. And I want to say that the res uh, the results have been solid. I want to note, uh, and that includes that the strikeout rate hasn't been terrible. Although he struck out twice today. Uh, I didn't see the opponent, so uh, perhaps that... White Sox, I think. No, that's the Indians. I'm sorry. I forgot who they were playing today. Ah, and that was Carlos Carrasco. So he has an excuse because Carrasco is the bomb right now. <laughs> I may have been mixing my box scores up. No, the Indians were facing the White Sox. Ah, um, oh, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. And, that's uh, what it the, was. Uh, the, they, uh, Hicks faced uh, the Halos, uh, and they went all nuts on them today. Yes, they did. Yes, uh um, but anyway, uh, Hicks is, he's gotten some good results. He's shown the, I think what's significant mostly about this is that he's shown the propensity to walk that he displayed throughout the minors. And this is, this is a one week sample. So there's nothing to, but it's encouraging because really he hasn't really shown any of these things in any of the previous stints. So the fact that he's showing it at all is interesting. Certainly not a guy, I mean, I'm, telling people to rush out and pick up in any leagues. Maybe AO only if a guy's playing every day and he's putting up any kind of results, you're, you're interested. But uh, I think it, it's at least positive for a potential next season and uh, for him to start for the third year in a row as the team center fielder and then uh, lose the job in about mid-May. Um, here's what I kind of what kind of stands out with him is if you look, obviously, with him switch hitting – when you look at uh, the way his spray charts are going right now, everything is up the middle. There's a, just a couple of balls that have been pulled and then against lefties when he's hitting right-handed. But you go back and you look at what he did before his call-up when he got sent down and he was pull-happy, and he really wasn't using the middle part of the field. A lot of stuff was just uh, being, as a lefty, uh, pulling it down towards right field or, or a lot of ground balls rolling over the top of a lot of pitches. But right now, I see a lot. Of, I'm looking at his, his spray charts right now, and, and most of his balls in play, the one even his outs uh, and his hits, have been up back up through the middle. Not a lot of pull side action, and that and that's a positive sign. He's only had 22 plate appearances, uh, two walks, and five strikeouts. That's a better rate than what he had before the season when he struck out 42 times in 156 plate appearances. Um, so the rate's a little better there. And just I just I'm encouraged that he's using the middle part of the field and he's not pull conscious because when you get pull conscious, think Brad Miller. And this is when you start trying to cheat on things to pull him, you leave yourself wide open to off speed stuff. And if he's willing to use the field, that means he's staying back longer on that and he's not so susceptible to off speed stuff. Well, that's yeah, that's really encouraging. An excellent observation there. And uh, you know, we're not looking for this guy to knock anybody's socks off, but maybe he's a nice in game. Uh, 
bid next year in a in a mixed league or a, or maybe he's an in-game bid even in an AO only league this uh, next year at this point uh, considering the way his career's gotten off to uh, or the start it's gotten off to but uh, do you think he was a bit rushed I, I, I do I, I know yes totally think he Go was ahead. rushed okay yeah totally think he was rushed um, I mean I don't want to I'm trying I, I remember thinking about this uh originally with him like wow he's making the team out of camp are, are you kidding me uh, I think that's what the case was with him. I'm trying to go pull up his, his B-Ref minor league page as, as we're talking here. But I know he made the team out of camp last year, and it was rather surprising because yeah. he had only, you know, he had not played above double-A. Right. He, I mean, he had good numbers in double-A. high I mean, All the way through the minor leagues, you saw a guy that had high walk rate, batting averages up and down. I don't care about that. But the, the, the on-base on percentage, he was getting on base – um, he had the athleticism, but he was also 22 years old, and, and all of a sudden, here you are. We're going to put you in the major leagues, and you're just tur- you had just turned 23, and here you are in the major leagues, and you didn't get that AAA experience. And I, unless you're a stud, I want you spending time in AAA. Yeah, I totally agree. He was totally rushed, um, and I, I, mean, I think he was a little mishandled after after they rushed him, and. Uh, I think that includes even coming into this year a bit. And uh, then he ditched the switch hitting uh, in June for a few weeks, then decided to pick it back up. Cause I love that. And, and which is, you know, it's, I mean, that's a tough, but I think, and perhaps that's, that's what this turned out to be was this, this development was that uh, he just realized that, you know, they realized that he really wasn't using uh, more of the field to begin with. And perhaps that just was something that he devoted some time to. Uh, it's, it's good. It'll be an interesting off season, I guess, for him uh, and an interesting month of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor news. I consider it minor is Philadelphia will look to trade Dominic Brown this winter for a similar type of uh, similar change of scenery type player. And it just... Jesus Montero, Jesus Montero. <laughs> you know what? I would Jesus t- Montero, Ryan Howard platoon at first base. Let's make it happen. Uh, you know what? The only reason I even cared to mention this is because I'm just pissed that they. Can I say pissed on this family show? Sure, you can. Okay. <laughs> that that this that uh, they didn't look to do this last winter when it was when they didn't need to find a change of scenery type player because everybody but the Phillies knew that Dominic Brown was not going to come close to repeating the type of season that he had <laughs> in 2013. One month, one month wonder. Yeah. One month wonder. It's all. I mean, when you look at when you look at Dominic Brown's career, um, that's wrong spelling. Um, when you look at his career, and everybody remembers the 15 home runs that he hit the uh, uh, May of 2000. Was it last year? Yep. It was 13. When he did seems that like it seems like a long time ago. Seems like a long time ago. But for his career, he has 48 home runs. 15 came in one month. 15 of them. Oh, digression. Actually, that's, uh, well, it's digression just to talk about the Phillies when you talk about anything. Uh, 635 OPS. This is the perfect time to trade him. His trade value couldn't be any higher. Absolutely. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> I'm just uh, – so anyway, uh, and, and I still have hope for him. Like, I mean, I thought uh, when we were asked about him at the Baseball HQ Symposium uh, the, at the Big Deal one in Phoenix – Last fall, and and the question is, I think I think those are difficult questions to answer. The more I think about them, is because like you know the the, the big question on Dominic Brown was fact or fluke, and I'm like, well, it was a fact. Like I think he has that ability, but like that doesn't mean I I'm gonna pay what I I, I mean I didn't draft him or come close to drafting him. No one uh, be, because I 
you know, knew the likelihood of a repeat. And not just because I didn't expect it to be this bad, but, uh, I mean, if you watch him, uh, his plate appearances don't always pass the eye test. I mean, he takes a, a consistent approach. Sometimes he looks like he has the pitcher right where he wants him, like he's in total command of a plate appearance. And then other times he's just flailing wildly. And that, that continues to this day. And, uh, I mean, of course, there were a lot of other issues, a lot of short porch home runs that like kind of just left the yard. Uh, he was actually healthy all year. Uh, well, for most of the year, um, yeah, there were just a, there were a lot of potential issues with him still that one year uh, and as you said, one month aren't going to cure. So, yep. I mean, there's still I think there's still hope for him to be at least a, an okay platoon player, but he's not a very good outfielder either. So it's. It's just a rough situation, and the Phillies clearly missed their chance to capitalize on it. And forever they will, uh, forever they will be. Well, Ruben Amaro Jr. will be the bane of my existence. Rafael Montero is supposed to make a start on Wednesday, and it's not really significant. Uh, they, the, the Mets have brought him back, obviously, uh, it, and but uh, there's there's not really any allusion to or certainty about this yet as to whether he's going to join the rotation on a regular basis because it's a possibility. It's not like the Mets are playing for anything. They could could go to a six man thing that might help them lengthen out some guys, I think. Uh, but there's been there's kind of been this left open, or at least uh, as far as the the short news blurb I read on it is that there's there's the possibility that he becomes a regular part of the rotation. ton of talent here. Uh, hasn't put it together in, in his uh, handful of starts in the majors yet. But uh, is this a guy that you're interested in to play? Maybe even in, maybe in just in an NL-only league? In the future, sure. Okay. Th- this year, I don't know. Uh, but in the future, I think uh, he's got a, a, a ceiling of a three and a more likelihood of a four. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested in him for this year. I don't know. I you know, there's in my NL league that one my home league it's tight, but I and I'm looking at pitching, but I think I'm just gonna stick with what I have. He's one of the guys that I could use and I'm just gonna let it float because there's a what have we got? Five of us separated by four and a half points for the third spot in the league, which is the last decent money spot. And I'm looking at like I need some strikeouts, but I don't know and, and some wins, but I don't know if I'm gonna let him give it a shot. Yeah. I, and I I totally understand that, and uh, I think the Mets are maybe are finding out. To me, he looks like just looking at the numbers, Montero looks like one of these uh, the kind of the um, the uh, I can't think of the word, so I'm just going to say you know the kind of the ideal case of a player uh, who is uh, showing why AAA Las Vegas. Uh, is a bad place to develop players, I think, on both sides. Um, and it's because until this season, and really until this season at any other at any level, uh, uh, well, until any other stop, Montero had no problems with walks. Like, control, right. control was a huge asset of his. And uh, he goes to Vegas and, and walks nearly four batters per nine innings, or 10%, and uh, he gets to the majors. And you, know, you can easily see how that's – I mean, we know the control is uh, – you inflate it a little bit when a guy gets to the majors, but uh, he continues I – mean, it's it's been an even bigger problem. As Jason cracks open his first beer of the show. No, this is I'm a just, soda. Just, <laughs> I was just going to say, this is not beer, folks. <laughs> I mean, I, I think – that's the kind of thing that can lead to bad habits. And I think uh, the Mets are finding out perhaps one of the reasons why Toronto was eager to dump that uh, affiliation off on some other team. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say beer leads to bad habits. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but no, I agree. Las Vegas, 
I, I saw that the Astros just re up their their deal with Lancaster for California League, which is a terrible place for any pitching prospect to have to go to. But yeah, Vegas is the other terrible thing. And at least with the Rockies, when they go to Colorado Springs, it you know it it serves a purpose. You're going to have to pitch this altitude. You need to get used to it. Right. It serves zero purpose for the Mets to be in Vegas. Zero. Find something else. Find something on the East Coast. I mean, this is almost as dumb as back in the day when the Pirates had their AAA affiliation in Hawaii, and they would have to get prospects, and they would need to get them from AAA, and they have to pay all these crazy rates to fly them from Hawaii. And then, you know, if I was with the Pirates in the early 80s and I was at the major league level, I'd be like, huh, I'm hanging on. I'm not getting paid much. Can I please be demoted? Can I please go to Hawaii? Uh, yeah. You know, I, living expenses were probably crap. Uh, but at the same time, that they had an affiliation all the way in Hawaii, which never made any sense to me at all. But this this Las Vegas thing, it's got to go. Uh, you know, trade, find somebody. I don't even know if there if there's somebody in the uh, West Coast that has somebody on the East Coast for AAA. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, and I really can't. Uh, I think of an affiliation like this, but this one's got to end. It's a terrible place. No, I mean that's I can't think of anybody as well. I think that's um, perhaps part of the part of the issue. But uh, I mean that's you know that's a reason that Toronto was very very eager to get rid of that affiliation. And and I'm for some reason I mean I guess when you're the Mets, uh, you basically say, well, Toronto beat us in Norfolk. I think that's who they uh, basically swapped with, and and the Mets had. To, kind of forced to go with the Vegas. I don't know, but it's, it's just, yeah, I think it was kind of, it kind of left and like, Oh, okay. I guess I have to go out there. But, um, <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that a, should, that's a fan of that whole situation. That should be a, that should be a, a black mark against, uh, whoever's running the show out there for that. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, Nick Tropiano uh, is supposed to make a start for Houston on Wednesday. And this is supposed to be just a spot start. Uh, but he's an interesting pitcher because he's put up pretty good command rates throughout the minor leagues. Uh, he is a 24-year-old and um, was a fifth-round pick in 2011. It's kind of steadily made his way uh, through the minor leagues. He was a college guy, I'm presuming, because it's been about three years, and he so that makes him 21 at the time of entry. Stony Brook. Okay. And uh, uh, apparently he has a pretty good changeup. Um, so... Those are guys that I always like. I don't know much else about him, uh, but uh, he is not not uh, considered in uh, Houston's top ten prospects or anything coming in. But he's again, he's put up really good rates. Um, is this a guy that you could see yourself being fantasy interested in in in, few, in uh, say next season as a flyer, depending on how things look? Twelve team AL. If he's going to be in the rotation, I am always a sucker for changeup guys. I'll put that out on the table right now. They always get me uh, and. If, if you were to tell me he's going to have a spot in the rotation, he did pitch all year in AAA this year, uh, and that's in the Pacific Coast League for non-Astros fans. Uh, fewer hits and innings pitched by quite a bit, 90 hits and 124 two-thirds, 120 strikeouts, 33 walks, 11 home runs. He's kept the ball in the yard over the over the last couple of years with that, but I'm always a sucker for a guy with a changeup. Uh, and that's you know, that's kind of where he is. He's a he's kind of like Montero, where I mentioned Montero could be a three. Tropiano's never going to be. I don't think he'll ever be a three. No. I think he's a four or five uh, yeah. type of guy. But he's got the right combination. He's got the fastball changeup. You can give him another pitch. The fastball change. He's going to miss bats. You can teach him a cutter if he can't get the curveball. You know, kind of like uh, you know, Jake Odorizzi was was this kind of combination. But try to find somebody like that. He's got the right combination. I, I'm. 
if you make me pick a guy, if he's fastball change or fastball breaking ball, I'll take the guy with the change up all day long because you can teach him a cutter. Pretty much anybody can get a cutter these days yeah. uh, for a third pitch with him, and that's going to make him – and that's going to help him with the change up most of the time handle lefties, who he's going to be – that will be stacked against him. So that's one of the things uh, I like about this situation. So I'm intrigued enough to keep him on my radar for a 12-team AL draft in 2015. Yeah, I kind of look at it the same way, and I think uh, I think – Especially moving into Houston in the majors, event, uh, whenever he eventually becomes a part of things, assuming that he does, uh, I think the home run will be a bit more of a problem there because of the pitch. Uh, what I read about the pitch mix that he has, but um, I mean it's consi- really consistent and nice strikeout minor walk percentage throughout the minors. I mean I think that that's just and and the again the fastball changeup combo. The fastball doesn't even have to be great if the uh, as long as it's uh, a really good pitch. Uh, to play against, or as long as the changeup is a really good pitch to play against it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a nice little name to file away for uh, for 2015 AL East as a $1 guy or a reserve or something. <clears throat> uh, Washington appears to have removed Rafael Soriano from the closer's role. Now, this is obviously much bigger fantasy news than, than uh, some of the other guys we've gotten into, but this is some exciting stuff here because closer changes this late in the season. Uh, are not unusual, uh, but at the same time, there's not a lot of cha- not a lot of opportunity to capitalize on. Drew Storen picked up a save today, uh, and struck out two, I think in a clean inning. Other uh, and so obviously he looks like the front runner. But Tyler Clippert has been mentioned as a possibility as well. Do do you if you have to pick, which one do you pick? See my and my instinct is, um, besides the fact that Storen picked up well, I mean Storen picks up save today. I think Storen is probably the guy to grab, even though the numbers aren't quite as good. But there's been a, somewhat of a tendency at some time, some of these managers, and, and Washington hasn't always been the case. But um, when we speak specifically about Clipper, that's off, uh, that's a lot of times been a case is that they want to leave him in the eighth inning. Yes. Yeah, and that's, I agree. I think, you know, if you look at just pure skills, this would be Clipper's job. But yeah. there's been times where this should have been Clipper's job, and it, it had. I know there's the one season – that he did it in pieces of it. But when they signed Soriano, I didn't like it. You guys said, look, Clippard's already doing the job. What are you doing? And now we know why, what their case is with him. So, um, yeah, I, I think you just, you go, you're only talking about four or five saves at this point. Anyhow, if, if we're talking, you know, today's the eighth, the last day of season, you got three weeks, you're talking five saves. So spitball, do what you can. If, if you're close enough, if, if one of your races can be swung by that. Like I have a six save lead. I'm benching my clothes. I'm benching Kenley Jansen because I uh, strikeouts and wins are very tight. And I'm taking the chance that the guy behind me has got a six save lead that, that uh, Craig Kimbrell, who's his only closer is not going to go crazy and catch up with me. And I, I, cause I can't afford to lose a point when I'm trying to gain points in other categories. Yeah, that's understandable. What's interesting. I mean, Storin has gotten some really good results this season. He certainly uh, outpitched his components, uh, as opposed to last season, he had a 4.52 ERA. This year, uh, the components aren't a ton better, really not a lot better at all. But uh, he has a 1.37 ERA this year uh, in his 46 innings. And what's significant, what's interesting, is that he's brought the walk rate down as well as the strikeout rate. Um, I mean, that's kind of gum along with it. But the ground ball rate is kind of back to what he put up in uh, his his uh, season prior to last year. This uh, last year, he had a ground ball rate of around 40 percent. Uh, this year it's 48. Previous uh, 
prior to 2013, it was 53.7, uh, 2011, 47. So um, perhaps a little bit of a, a, a change in approach or sacrificing something. He still has changed up quite a bit more this season. He's probably about doubled the use of that pitch. Uh, and perhaps that has been a little bit of a secret to success and otherwise, because again, his components don't look a whole lot different from many of his previous seasons. Right. So uh, he... What it's it's whatever he's doing is working for him. Although maybe it is scheduled to blow up sometime here before the season ends, but he would be the guy that I would go after if I had to pick one. And uh, hey, it'd be nice if you could get both this year. Edward Mejica will fill in for Koji Uehara for a few days. That's the way it sounds coming out of Boston. The way I heard it was that uh, Edward Mejica will probably be filling in for Uehara for the rest of the season. Is that how Bingo. you? Bingo. Is that how you? That's heard exactly. It? What I, heard. Right. I mentioned I was I was there with. Uh, one of the writers uh, up there, and that's uh, exactly what we talked about. So I would not count on URR, and if Mihika is available, daily leagues, whatever you want to play, go ahead and grab him. Yeah, and, I mean, URR is a free agent after this campaign. It doesn't mean that the, the Red Sox won't be interested in resigning. And if, <laughs> not that uh, the Red Sox are this dirty of an organization, not dirty, but the uh, – this mean of an organization, but it's not like they would take them out of save opportunities and be like, look, you only got 25 saves. So we're going to pay you less yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to come back here. But, uh, yeah, I think it's it, – it, I mean, basically, want to give Uehor a break, they say, for a couple of days. But what's interesting to me about that is that they already did that. <laughs> they did that a couple of times, and it hasn't worked out. He, is, uh, he has not seemed to rediscover uh, – I mean, the, the splitter seems, seems to have lost uh, noticeable movement or effectiveness in the past couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's clearly shown up in his results, so – uh, this is not question. I mean, do you think this is purely a result of fatigue? It doesn't seem like it's, it's an underlying injury thing. He has lost a little bit of velocity this season, but it seems to me that it is a fatigue thing. Is this some kind of thing that worries you if you were to go into an, a season next year drafting him? This worried me going into this season because you know he is never and I talked you know and I talked about this heavily. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is something where he's never had back to back. He had never had back-to-back effective seasons of pitching more than – or back-to-back seasons, rather, pitching more than 50 innings of back-to-back. This year he did it. He got to 61. But, you know, effectiveness-wise, he, wa- he wasn't the same. Strikeout rate came way down uh, for him. You look at – I'm sorry, strikeout rate dropped. His K per nine dropped a full percentage point. Uh, he gave up more home runs this year. He gave up uh, – 10 home runs, double what he gave up last year in 13 fewer innings. I think he was more hittable this year, too. I think nine of those home runs have come in, like, the last month. <laughs> too, it and, seems I mean, like it. It seems like Yeah. The thing <laughs> is, I mean, he's 39. Mm-hmm. He turns 40 as the start of next year. If you looked, if you, you know, look at what happened with Joe Nathan this year. We saw Joe Nathan age before our eyes. Uehara's 40. There's no reason for him to be pitching right now. This is a guy who has not, for the better better part, has not held up. D- don't waste the bullets. Sit him. Let him build his arm strength back up and ride him for one final year next year. That's what you've got. I mean, actually, he's arm eligible. I'm looking at his contract situation. He had two years, 9.5. Uh, he's a, I'm sorry, he's a free agent yeah. after this year. Yeah, no, he's a free agent, so... Okay, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, done. I mean, I don't know what the point, what's the point? You're trying to bring him back. Maybe you try to work a deal, say, look, other teams are going to be, nobody's going to sign this guy to a multi-year deal. It's going to be a one-year deal. He's probably going to want to stay in Boston. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I think that they could get him on a nice discount because the reality is, I know, like, uh, I mean, I know that uh, certainly they're not going to go into a season with Edwin Wiggins as their closer. I don't know that he, I don't know if his deal is up or not, but it doesn't really matter. But no, it's I, not. I, up. They signed him for a two-year deal. He was basically URHAR insurance. Yeah, and I know that. Uh, for instance, I know folks have really liked Junichi Tozawa, and he would be an interesting guy to close on like an inter on an interim basis. But he. To me, he's not closer material. He's kind of like I, I put him in the same kind of classes like a Joe Smith type that we've talked about on the show that you know is talking about that you have talked about. Like, I mean, uh, or at least to me, like he's a guy who can get the job done at, at any time and places someone. But if he was a close all season, eventually he would start blowing saves here and there more, a little more frequently than your average dominant closer, mm-hmm. the Kenny Jansen types, for instance. So, um, and is and is great in a setup role. Um, so I think, yeah, and I, and I totally agree. I mean, I was cautious, I was cautious about him to some extent, but I thought that, I thought that Uehara, you um, I liked him as a potential top five closer because of the, the, the potential for the ratios and stuff like that. Uh, and he, I mean, he's continued to do it. And I believe that Boston managed him, uh, really well last season, except like, I mean, in the regular season, but then they just wrote him like a, um, uh, an overused mule or something in the yes. postseason. I mean, it was ridiculous how often and how long they rode him in the postseason. That that had to really scare his owners for sure, or it should have. <laughs> it clearly <laughs> did is. not. I drafted him in the FSWA league, for instance, but I got him. I mean, he wait. He was a, a little later for relievers, and I I tend to think that relievers are extremely valuable in that league in those leagues. Uh, so I was happy to, to yeah. So somebody who only has six more starts left, um, to use, uh, relievers are extremely valuable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasted the start on Tyson Ross today cause it was at Colorado, but it, you know, Rockies are God awful. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't work. Yeah. So now I'm like, great. I wasted those <laughs> strikeouts. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm closing it. I'm in single digits and starts left myself. I have, I have like seven or eight relievers on my team. Well, I, I don't. Can't... I dumped Carlos Carrasco in this league because I couldn't use him as a starter. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't because for folks that don't know, in, the, in these leagues, if you're not an ESPN league and they set a quality start limit, once you hit it, your stats, your pitching stats are frozen. Nothing else gets to happen. No, no, no. and that toast to be that toast to be last year. Uh, relievers can still accrue stats. Okay, that's what we have. Everybody else is frozen. Yes. So I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So yeah, I am out there like trying to like I just dumped. Uh, um, I dumped Doug. Matt Garza. I just dumped. I just dumped Matt Garza because I don't need him. I dumped Doug Fisher, <laughs> which is which, <laughs> and he'd had a couple of bad starts. But I'm like, and I, I mean, you know, I was like, he's not striking anybody out anyway, so no love lost. I mean, the the strikeouts per game started basically is kind of a relevant metric in those types of leagues uh, to see how many you can get. So that's a, it's an interesting for uh, format to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Doolittle strained intercostal muscle. Strained intercostal muscle is likely uh, going to be back sometime this week. He's made uh, steady progress in returning, so that's going to be nice. Uh, that should help the A's kind of clear up things in their run to the wild card spot that seems uh, inevitable at this point. Michael Kadire with a strained hamstring is supposed to come back on Tuesday. I'm sure he'll get to play all of one or two games before he's back on it uh, and piss us off some more. I'm going to see, keep saying piss. It's going to be like some really PG-13 rated uh, sleeper and bust. Uh, don't worry about it. He's <laughs> Again, I could really use Michael Godire as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, he's not due back. 
his eligibility day, he could technically he could come back tomorrow. Well, it's, so 15 days would have been up on sep- of what today is we're recording September 7th. Okay. And, well, I think, and maybe Colorado doesn't play on Monday. I haven't checked the schedule in terms of uh, how many teams play tomorrow yet, uh, which is somewhat relevant, especially if you're those of you who make those daily changes. So that's something to keep in mind. <clears throat> uh, AJ Pollock, uh, obviously, he's been activated uh, coming back from that broken finger or whatever you call it. Uh, but they, the Diamondbacks are hopeful that he'll be uh, back and ready for action on Tuesday. Uh, for his first major league action in more than three months. Mm-hmm. And Joey Votto, uh, with that strain quad, originally it was sounding like he was making some good progress. And now now the, the last I saw on him was that they have not yet talked about shutting him down. Whenever they talk about that, it sounds like <laughs> it's, it's, it's so dumb. So just shut him down. Yeah. What's the benefit of coming back this year? Yeah, there isn't one at this point. Um, so... Uh, and, and he has not contributed much in fantasy terms anyway. I think if you're looking for if, if you're in a mixed league, I think even a 15-team mixed league, why, why hang on to him, right? Unless it's an OBP league and you could say, well, you know, a really uh, OBP is tight. And you know that that's pretty much all he's good for. I guess you could make the argument uh, to hang on to him. Would you hang on to Just, him? Say if there's, you know, say you think he can give you a week or two. Uh, although actually two sounds really optimistic. So how about you say this guy is good for you for a week? Um, it's got to be super, super tight, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Super tight. Uh, well, give up on Joey Votto. He is Canadian, after all. Homer Bailey. <laughs> Homer Bailey, uh, he, he's had that surgery to repair the torn flexor tendon and. Just want to bring this up because uh, Eno and I talked about that, and it can be a very serious injury. Not quite, yes. not quite on the level of Tommy John surgery, but we've seen some players take an extensive period, and we were talking about him possibly uh, missing some time heading into next season. And, oh God, uh, yeah, uh, Jeremy Hellickson's a great case. Uh, no, Hellickson didn't have that injury; he had something else. But his was just like s- scar tissue. Yeah. In his elbow or bone chips, and he was out until uh, June 1st. Yes, but, uh, well, the encouraging thing about it, well, and Bailey has already had the surgery, so it's that's really encouraging. But, I mean, originally the prognosis or the, the estimates, the fear, was that uh, he was going to miss time heading into the next season. That was that was kind of even from the team, although I don't think that they specifically said that, but uh, they were just kind of hopeful to see how it came out. Anyway, uh, the good news is is that uh, the tear that – Apparently the tear was small, whatever that uh, exactly what that means. Uh, I guess the repair wasn't didn't require nearly as much um, uh, surgical procedureness as they expected, and the doctor said that he should be able to throw by the end of December. Um, that actually puts him, if this is true, that puts him on almost a regular routine heading into and mm-hmm. heading into a future season. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, the recovery is going to be essential here. Setbacks obviously change the story here quite a bit. Uh, and I'd like to see, if anything, because the Reds get such a good prognosis from this, I would like to see them uh, be overly cautious throughout the entire process since, uh, to me, the news is better than I think you could have expected. To me, he's droppable in all league formats. Oh. Right now. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody's no. holding, you know, even, honestly, in all league formats, even if we're t- I'm talking about a keeper, keeper league, league yeah. I'm talking – well, yeah, I'm talking moving forward. Let's say you're in a keeper league, and next year is because you, know, you can get him at a can, discount. If you yeah, want you can you throw him back and, and try to get him back cheaper because you know even if they say oh things are doing great, things are doing great. Everybody thought Helixson was going to be back, uh, maybe miss 
uh, two starts. He ended up missing 12. And I, with pitching injuries, I'm throwing him back. I, unless I've got Homer Bailey for single digits, and I doubt you do, throw him back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately, it's always the case. Is I mean, that's what I'll, you always have to ask yourself. Do I think I can get this guy for uh, less? Or um, do I think that uh, I can get him for about the same or maybe uh, slightly more, and it's not like a, one of those elevate, the contract elevates every year um, regardless kind of thing, but uh, so that you can have him for, maybe you have a limited years uh, keeper or something like that, or you can only keep him for so long, something like that. But yeah, ultimately that's, you know, ask yourself what the cost is and, and if you could reduce it because uh, any kind of thing like that, you never keep a guy just because you think, well, I still like him, so I'm going to keep him. <laughs> Some people I was a guy, he was my sleeper Cy Young pick this year. I, I have dropped him in, in any league, keeper, non-keeper, whatever. He's been long gone for my team. Yeah, definitely understandable. Uh, on the way out, Melky Cabrera, pro broken pinky, will have surgery this coming week. That's a little disappointing because he was obviously a re revelation for fantasy purposes. And he's a free agent heading into this winter. Uh, so he is done God, for the rest sucks. of the season. Yes. Yep, sucks. Uh, fantastic year for, for Melky. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, we had talked about actually previous on the podcast, previously on the podcast, how the, uh, <clears throat> uh, there was reason to think that Toronto might actually want to resign him. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Jason, tell us, Desmond Jennings need discomfort. Unlikely to play again this season. Does that seem like it's true to you? Unlikely to play for the Rays again. I'll go that far. Wow. You heard it here. Hopefully first. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go, honestly. I will go that far. I think he's. I don't think he plays for the Rays again. I think he move gets moved in the off season. I mean, he's plateaued. He's twenty eight. He is what he is. And I don't see him getting any better. And you know, he's gonna start getting a little. He he fits well in the arbitration process. I honestly think they let him go. Frank, how do you and keep it interesting? That is totally understandable. Uh oh. I'm going to have to, uh, oh, geez. Oh, there we go. I forgot to mute my browser. I apologize, folks. You just got a, a pop-up ad or whatever that was. <laughs> I've been so good about that. <laughs> it happens. Uh, but Desmond Jennings, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm frankly quite disappointed. I mean, I thought this was going to be kind of a, a breakthrough peak year kind of thing for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Going to what I mean, next year is going to be his age 28 season. Yeah, that's going to be uh, any speculations as to who would be interested and where he might end up. That would, uh, that Detroit. Ah, uh, that's an excellent, that's really the first team that comes to mind. Yeah. I don't know what if there's a clear matchup, but Detroit's the team that comes to mind. Makes a lot of sense to kind of replace that Austin Jackson type player. Mm -hmm. And Danny Duffy has developed some biceps tendonitis. There's no clarity as far as how serious this is. I mean, I'm guessing that it's a possibility he misses a start. It's actually somebody we had been asked about uh, talking about. I think that Eno and I are going to talk about him later in the week because that's who the fellow asked specifically was Eno. But uh, Danny Duffy's biceps tendonitis. Uh, we've seen some other. This is. I know that's. It may sound crazy. It's an arm injury. I mean, it's. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Greg Holland is dealing with some triceps uh, tendonitis, I think. And, I mean, he's not expected to miss more than – I mean, he's basically missed the weekend. I think he's going to be fine. Like, it's totally going to depend on the severity of this issue. Uh, I never like hearing that because it's all part – I mean, Eno's talked about it, about the kinetic chain, bicep, tricep. Right. Connects to the elbow. 
you know, when you read Danny Duffy's description of it, he said he couldn't get loose in the bullpen. And when he let that first pitch go, it felt like a vice on his shoulder. And as somebody who's had two labrum injuries, that's what it sounded like to me. I don't even want to press the panic button on this, but that's exactly how my injury felt. It felt like somebody basically stabbed me in the shoulder when I let the ball go the first time uh, and the second time uh, with that. So when I heard when I heard Duffy explain what happened, yeah, I'm like, that doesn't good. He's like, oh, I'm fine. And now we're hitting the MRI tube, and we'll see what the MRI shows. But I am uh, cautiously pessimistic about what we're going to find out here. <laughs> cautiously pessimistic. I like that. That sounds like my dad. Uh, <laughs> Ned Yost says that he hopes Danny Duffy misses. Uh, the. I mean, the latest from what I've seen from the Casey Star, uh, I mean, it's a full report on it. The latest is that uh, Ned Yost hopes that uh, coming out of the MRI, uh, after they come out of the MRI, um, that he hopes he misses only one start, and they're calling it a sore shoulder now. So um, we will see. We will see. Hopefully it's not something more serious, but it sounds like that's a possibility. And uh, as it always does, the MRI will tell us more if it doesn't. Empress <clears throat> mm-hmm. Cabrera lands himself a DUI and pretty much a ticket out <laughs> a of... Weed. A weed DUI too. Even. Yes, not even, not even a, a proper DUI uh, with the alcohol, but yeah, one. Although it's, it, well, anyway, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's also bought himself a ticket out of San Diego, considering the way he's performed this year after the biogenesis thing. Um, but uh, is this guy you think ever kind of resurrects the fantasy value? Strike no, me, I, strikes I mean, me as a player yeah. that has kind of. Uh, he hit his window in 2013 and then uh, also took some punishment for it. And I think we've seen the last time he was a fantasy relevant player. Agreed. He's going to go down the Emilio Bonifacio path and may have a good week or something and then just disappear. <laughs> yeah. He'll get a job somewhere. Yeah and, yeah. and he may, you know, hit the ground running literally and then. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, I don't think it bodes well for him long term. Uh, <clears throat> so. We have, a, again, we have a couple of re- requests uh, specifically on Twitter today, not more than a few hours ago. Uh, a gentleman asked us if what we thought about Derek Holland uh, for kind of rest of the season or basically his, his head-to-head playoffs are coming up, and is he a legit option for this fellow uh, rest of the season? First thing I think is, okay, that means I have to go check out their uh, their schedule, which I'm headed to now. But uh, two, so I thought two. you were going to say, get out of head-to-head leagues, and I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. In all seriousness, no, I mean, with him, it, he is what he is. I mean, before the injury, if you look at his skills, he, gets, he's a, he has an above-league average strikeout rate, and he has a slightly better-than-average league walk rate. And the home run issue with him, he's pretty much got it under control. It used to be a problem for him. It was in 2012. It was in 2009. But 2010, in the brief time he pitched, 2011 uh, and 2013, it was good. I mean, this is – I like Derek Collins uh, before he got hurt. I, before he got hurt coming into this season uh, during the offseason accident, I liked him a lot coming into this year because I just looked at – what he what he's been doing and there's some consistency there in the home run thing it, once he changed the way he was pitching um i like him i'd ride him right now uh, and head to head it just you know he's effective and you probably have him cheaper if he's available uh, i'd like him and i'd take a shot with him yeah i think i think rest of this month it's not a bad proposition i'd be a little concerned i mean in the small sample results uh 
Well, I think it's actually it's really even hard to say, but small sample results are uh, uh, are not bad. He's, I mean, since he's gone to significantly a sinker in the past couple of years, results have been better. The controls have been better, and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I like this. I, I like him as a player. I think that the home run thing will always be a bit of a problem for him, but uh, let's see. Let's uh, look at the schedule wise. Uh, what we might be looking at here since Hollage pitched today. Uh, he'll get Atlanta. I would not be afraid to throw them against Atlanta. Tons of strikeouts there. Yep. Uh, he will also face, it looks like, uh, then the Halos at, uh, at... That's rough. At the Angels. That's potentially rough. And then it'll either be a start against Houston or the A's. I'm not afraid to throw them against either of those opponents. Even if Houston... Houston is kind of... They've done okay against left-handers at times. Yes. But... Uh, I think that's a we- generally a weaker lineup, and we've seen a couple of left-handers recently really dominate them. Um, so I don't. I think you can throw that out the window. I think that was more of an early season thing, and uh, so I think two out of three starts um, sound really good for Holland, uh, and I think that he could he could, uh, he could and and two of them are going to be at home. Um, so I would be pretty encouraged and look to use him the rest of the season, at least in a head head league, and deploy him for those starts, or maybe in streamers or whatever you want to do. But uh, he's definitely a guy. Yeah, that sounds. Kind of interesting rest of the season. And then uh, we also, I apologize because we weren't sure if we were going to do the podcast and so tweet us and all that, yada, yada, yada. And we did it. And then somebody asked asked us, uh, we took one request but not the other from Twitter. Some fellow asked us, what do you guys think of uh, Joey Gallo and Jock Peterson um, in terms of where they'll be playing in 2015? I'm looking to add a, a one an, a impact bat in 2015. Uh, and well, basically, I look at it this way. Uh, if Joey Gallo is in the major leagues uh, for an extensive period of time, then uh, the Rangers have gone into uh, – then everybody's hurt again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I guess that's not a bad thing, but uh, – well, it's not a bad thing for Joey Gallo owners, but, uh, I mean, the strikeouts still concern me. So I'm not – I'm still not in any rush to see Gallo. I would not be interested in, in picking him up. I uh, to me, it's going to work out one of two ways. He's going to come up and, and take the league by storm for a few months uh, or a couple of months or less, whatever it is, kind of Chris Davis style, uh, and then tank Chris Davis style. Or he's going to tank right away and then maybe need a change of scenery or not necessarily need a change of scenery, but is going to need a, another year or two to kind of really adjust. The strikeouts just to me are just appallingly bad. So... I don't see Gallo being an impact bat in 2015. Peterson, I think, is a totally different story. Do you, uh, but uh, I'll let you take that one. No, I agree. I, I, there's way too much. The risk-reward factor, that's what you have to weigh out. There is Gallo has a, a tremendous reward if you know if everything were to break. In a best-case scenario, Joey Gallo 2015 is Chris Carter 2014. That's best-case scenario. And worst case scenario, he's Ben Francisco, or not? No, Juan Francisco, who <laughs> was great in April and flamed out. That that's your range of outcomes with Peterson. I think your range of outcomes is much more narrow. Yes, and yes. most of it's going to be good. Uh, so that's where it, it really the playing time issue is going to work itself out this offseason. They're going to end up trading somebody, eating some money. You can't put that kid back in AAA next year. Totally agree. There, something's going to work out. Either he gets traded somewhere, or they trade somebody else and make room. For and him. it won't. It won't. It shouldn't be him. 
because the Dodgers have, I mean, I get, I mean, I'm sure that they have these resources and they'll consider it, but sooner or later, I mean, the Yankees have found this out. If they, if they've learned any sort of lessons is that eventually you got to start being a little smarter with the payroll, uh, and, Crawford or Andre, Carl Crawford or Andre Ethier is the guy that's going to be on the move. Although three months ago, um, it was potentially Matt Kemp. So they changed their, they changed uh, their sentiments about this kind of thing on a whim. So Mm -hmm. uh, by the time we get into the winter, it might be uh, uh, Scott Van Slyke or something. Who knows? And then uh, it won't really, uh, or it'll be the Yasso Puig. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're going to have to trade. I mean, they're going to have to trade one of, Athier and Crawford, and it still doesn't necessarily free up the spot, uh, essentially. But if it's Athier, they they seem to be okay with making him a bench bat, and Crawford, they seem to be wanting to turn him into one. I don't know. They both they both had some run this year, but it'd be interesting to see. And uh, someone else followed up, uh, also asked this question about whether Peterson or Alex Guerrero uh, were worth an ad in mixed league. Uh, and that Peterson, was a recent yes. question. I, I well, I don't see it. I mean, he hasn't played. I don't think uh, both of these play, neither of these players, the Dodgers intend to give any playing time to, especially Guerrero. But in a mixed league, I mean, in, in an NL only league, I would definitely take a run on Peterson. But, um, but of course, he's usually not owned in those types of leagues. Uh, but to, to my knowledge, P- Peterson got a couple of starts uh, consecutively this past week. But I think I don't think he has played since, uh, or at least not on the starting basis. But. Uh, uh, he does have. He has picked up a couple of plate appearances today, and uh, it's just so. I mean, sometimes they call these kids up and they'll play them. Sometimes they just call them up and sit them. I think if you're in a 15 team mixed league and you're like looking for something that's gonna like, well, I'm not really, I'm not gonna win, or, uh, but uh, placing is important, or. I need a miracle or something like that. Hey, take a shot because maybe somebody gets hurt, combination of, or he just sit, hits so well in his few starts that they say, you know what, mm-hmm. we're stupid. We, we're trying to trying to win a World Series here. Let's just play the guy. That that kind of stuff happens. And so, sure, I could recommend him because you know, and you're dropping um, a David Murphy or something like that in the 15 team mixed league. The equivalent of he's always the my default uh, fringy outfielder in, in 15 team mixed leagues. Uh, so, and that leaves us with, I think, everybody's favorite time of the week, or at least Jason's until this past week, uh, <laughs> uh, when our least favorite and least favorite two-term pitchers, and uh, I, these are the only picks that I could remember. I think I picked Carlos Carrasco, and which kind of felt like a cop-out because he'd been pitching so well, but he had two, uh, he was facing Detroit, and, I, and he had a, I think he had a pretty good start against them, and then, of course, the uh, the one-out short of a complete game shot. The Detroit one was really weird because... He struck out 10. Oh, yes. Five innings, 10 strikeouts, 10 hits allowed. That's 10 right. hits. There you go. It's like he kept putting guys on base and then would just shut everybody down because I was watching that game because the same thing happened with um, – who the hell was pitching for Detroit that night? Um, David Price, maybe? No, nah, it wasn't Price. It was a lesser name. Um, forgot who it was. Anyhow, both, both guys did the exact same thing. Both guys, like five innings – 10 hits, some right around. They almost had identical line scores where they kept, but Carrasco would get these guys on and then strike them out. At one point in that game, Tigers were 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position with six strikeouts and a grounded and double play. <laughs> it was just insane. They kept getting guys on and then he kept getting them to expand their strike zone. And uh, he's been phenomenal as a starting pitcher. Um, oh, but before we get to that, though, I think like today, 
two things uh, of fantasy relevance. Nelson Cruz driving in all seven runs for the Orioles today against the Rays, and, and then Juan Lagares stealing three bases. I mean, that's the kind of and Lagares gets spot. He's he had five steals this week. I get five steals. I the him, I'm trying to pick him up. And I'm sorry. He had five steals in the previous week, also. I think. Well, whatever. He had five. He had five steals. I just I saw he had like two on nine, two and three today. Yeah. You know, I lost Desmond Jennings in my FSWA league. I'm two steals behind the guy in front of me. Guess who I'm picking up to get rid of uh, to dump Desmond Jennings now, so I can get some more steal. Would have been nice if I'd have done it this week. Um, but you know, those kind of things. Yes, those kind of things could happen if you're looking for you know, stolen bases. I always try to encourage people these final three weeks, focus on your counting categories because it's something, you know, you can look at and see I'm this far behind. You know, we were talking about Votto earlier. It's tough. I mean, if it's, you know, your OBP is 319.8 versus 318.9, okay, maybe you can make up that point difference. But in stolen bases, if you're three behind, you know you're three behind. Yeah, the thing about Quentin Berry's out there. Quentin Berry's out there for Baltimore. He's only up to pinch run. But he could probably steal five bases this month. Quentin Berry's never been caught in the major league stolen bases. He's twenty-five for twenty-five in his career. He's good at it. Go pick him up in a, in a if you're in a deep AL league, you need steals. Go get Quentin Berry. Or, or Ezekiel Carrera. He's my like he plays a few games a week. I like him quite a bit. Uh, he's very he's has a very good success rate. I think stealing bases also. Um, what's it? Yeah, what's it's. Uh, uh, we had talked about Lagaris a little bit, and I wanted to bring that up. And he was actually a, a waiver wire wreck of mine. I can't remember if it was this past week or the week before they run together all now. But uh, uh, it, basically, it was uh, or no, no, I'm sorry, it was uh, Carl DeVries. He had recommended him, uh, and uh, at the beginning of the week, and uh, I don't think he had even pointed this out. But the the Mets have asked asked Lagaris basically. He's because he has some good speed, but he doesn't really use it on the base pass. And I guess they've worked with him for a while, and now they've. They've asked him to use it to, to try to steal bases um, because they want him to be a more dynamic offensive player. And we talk, I mean, the value of the stolen base is not that great, but the Mets still don't know that. So as far as, <laughs> as until, until, you know, until they figure that out, fantasy owners should try to take advantage. And he's like, he's an excellent kind of um, epiphany pickup, a uh, nice little guy to help you out there. And uh, even, I mean, it's, it's especially in mixes, like you said, um, the, 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 the thing that sucks about ratios, or maybe doesn't suck, depending on where you are uh, in the category, but uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, Joey Votto, if you're waiting on a guy or you're picking up people to help you in that, like it still depends on the rest of your team and how they perform as to whether that actually happens. But the counting statistic, as long as they're getting the counting statistics, they're helping you. So yeah, it's at this point, uh, you, much more, it's, it's, it's just a lot simpler analysis and uh and ways to find guys who are going to help you in the categories it's what i it's what i try to focus on because it's something you can look at and and saves steals home runs runs driven in right you know any of your counting categories focus there because it's something you can look at and say okay this is where it's at yeah um and uh, but i think you did you did direct jason hamill unless that was previous week two weeks ago oh, okay daggone it well Sorry, I was going to give you a win for that one. You did wreck Shane Green, I think, and uh, that didn't turn out so well. And I should have paid attention. He, whatever, Boston's in his head. Yeah. I don't know what it is. He sucks against Boston. That I should have noticed. That, nope, nope, we can't can't use him. But, uh, 
Yeah, I want to say it was. I just said Garza because he could strike out a bunch of Cubs, and Garza sucked versus them. And there was somebody else. Uh, Green, I think it was Green. It was. It yeah. was not not my best showing last week. Yeah. I'm gonna make up for it this week. I promise. Okay, well that sounds good. I recommended Henderson Alvarez, and I sent him to the trainer's room. So, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. What, three pitches into the game. Yeah. yeah. So I apologize to the Alvarez family uh, for not allowing him to continue to earn his living. All right, well, uh, so who do you like since it's time to make it up to folks? Who do I like since it's time to make it up to you? Um, I like Chris Tillman this week. Woo! At he's Boston. Pitching, he's pitched well. It's at Boston. It's versus New York. Um, New York shouldn't be a threat to him. Uh, Boston is what they are, which is basically a one-and-a-half trick pony. Although I will say that uh, Mookie Betts has looked really good at the plate of late. Uh, yes. But I like Tillman. He, he's keeping the ball in the park, striking out a ton of people. Uh, but honestly, that's a guy that you should have in your lineup all the time anyhow. Uh, if you're looking for somebody that's not in your lineup all the time, and be like, hey, you know, what can we do? You know, who's another guy we could take a shot at? Um, See, the problem, well, here, to me, the guy is Miguel Gonzalez. Because first, there's A. Um, I'm not. I, I kind of like Nick Tepish, but I'm not going to recommend. Oh, him. God, he doesn't miss bats. But I'm not going to recommend a week where he faces the Angels, <laughs> and uh, the rest of the options. Like it's either it's either uh, aces or guys who have pitched close to being like aces this season. There's no fun in recommending those guys, or they're complete scrubs. Uh, John Danks. I mean, maybe you take a, a shot on a guy like that, but the rest of them are the Brandon Workmans and Anthony Renatos and Brad Peacocks of the world and Trevor May. I mean, Trevor May could not have a worse start to his career, I think. Uh, yes. There's there's Hector Nuezzi. I mean, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that he his ERA is um, well above five, or it was. Uh, and Justin Verlander, none of these guys, I mean, it's either, or, or you're talking the Chris Archers who actually has had like three rough starts in a row. Yes. So maybe to predict a bounce back, uh, but, uh, it's... Anthony Renato, that would be the, in a, in an AL league two start guy. I know it's got Baltimore for one of them, but they are completely built around the home run. If they don't Homer, they don't, they don't do well. Um, and then he's got KC. So Renato, I would take a flyer on a 15 team mixed league to start you're chasing wins or uh, strikeouts, try that. Well, uh, you're a better man than I because I don't have the guts to go after Renato. I didn't. I don't really trust his results. Uh, but uh, he's. It, I, um, kudos to you if that one if that one comes through. <laughs> and Gonzalez, I mean, we, he's. I mean, he's been on quite a hot run, so it's not really a big thing. He's at Boston and then at home against the the Yanks. But uh, I mean, we. Basically, it just I continue to go on the thing of uh, inducing pop-ups as a skill, and he seems to have perfected that art, uh, or is working close to perfection of it. So uh, I like the streak to continue. Uh, although Boston, ha- as you mentioned, has come alive a little bit offensively, but uh, I'm willing to take my chances with them. Still, it's still not a deep lineup. Anybody in the National League tickle your fancy? Shelby Miller versus the Reds and the Rockies. That's probably the easiest one. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know what? Especially because, uh, well, of course, because he gets the Rockies at home. So, uh, and Cincinnati, it doesn't matter where, what ballpark they're they're hitting in, even if they they are at home. So, yeah, that's a very. And I wouldn't take you know uh, Brad Penny against the Brewers and against the Phillies. I don't care what. I don't care if both those teams came down with Ebola. I would still not start Brad Penny. <laughs> I cannot believe that on guy principle. is back in the major leagues. 
You know what? His velocity was up. It was around like 91, 92 or something like that. Like which it had how sustained what for like twenty pitches? <laughs> that is true. He does because he doesn't go deep in the game, so it can't be for very long. Oh boy. Well, uh, how about um, uh, you know the one I kind of I don't I'm not sure if I have the guts to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway, and perhaps partially because he's a Philly. I'm going to take David Buchanan, who's put together a string. I mean, he's actually he's only given up. He's given up three earned runs or fewer in like ten or eleven straight starts, uh, and I think uh, two home starts against Pittsburgh and Miami uh, because they're they're at home uh, tends to bode a little better. But um, I, I kind of like his chances to continue that a little bit. We'll we'll see. I mean, it's not there's not a whole. I I, I wouldn't uh, go chasing that guy in a mixed league unless you're desperate for innings and and there's no one else available. But uh, Right. And then in the only league, I mean, there has to be people continuing to dismiss him. At least in terms of wanting to play him. <laughs> Indeed. So, well, I think that is going to do it for this. I actually have one oh, thing. Oh, crap, Jason. You're killing me here. I was going I to know. Out, right? I just totally blew it. I, I forgot to tell you this ahead of time. Last week, we were chit-chatting about the different kind of daily games. And I mentioned that uh, the daily game where you could do things within the game. Yes. Within a game, set your lineup. Uh, I actually reached out to those folks, and this week, uh, that product is called Fana Mana, F-A-N-A-M-A-N-A. This week, I am like the guy they're putting people up against, so if you want to come beat snot out of me this week, they're gonna, I'll be tweeting out some things, uh, at night, cause you know I only do things on nights and weekends, uh, but I'll be, they'll be tweeting out some things. I may tweet some stuff out first thing in the morning. They're supposed to give me some details later tonight, uh, but I will be doing that this week. So if you want to, uh, interact and, uh, do that, look for some information out there. Ah, sounds very cool. Yeah, I, and I did tell him to speak to you too, so you may be up next. Oh boy, here we go. I did. Uh, <laughs> I included their stuff in that article um, that uh, I sent to Paul Swyden. Uh, it hasn't been posted yet. I'm just uh, I'm a little eager to see when that'll go up, uh, but uh, no rush there because I was late turning it in to begin with. Uh, but it didn't, and it did end up quite a bit longer than I expected it to be, and probably that he did too. So we will see. But uh, yeah, and Phantom Man, it does sound, it does sound interesting for those of you who are looking for the next thing. And uh, it has an app too. Uh, it has an app. I haven't played with it yet. I'm supposed to play with it, uh, and I did not get to that. But I got to play with the app. So you can, you know, just sitting around watching games, you can make changes from your phone. You don't have to get to your computer. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that, Jason. That's some interesting stuff. I think folks should check that out. And uh, I think that is going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. This has been, again, episode number 164. And I am your host, Nicholas Minix. And that is Jason over there. Jason, thank you again for joining us on this fine Sunday. Bleary-eyed, full stomach. I didn't fail. I like it. Yes. No failure involved. I, I was never worried. Uh, you're an energetic fellow. And uh, now you're going to go crash and take uh, have yourself a fine evening of, of uh, shut-eye. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, man. We'll enjoy that. And uh, thank you all again for joining us. This has been The Sleeper and the Bust. Sleeper and the Bust.